Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. Heroes, this week we are continuing our adventure with The Well. I sincerely hope you all had as much fun listening to this as we did playing it. As a reminder, The Well is available for purchase right now. You can pick up The Well digitally over on Itch, or you can pre-order physical copies on the Shoeless Pete Games website. Before we get to the show, I wanted to take a quick moment and bid a fond farewell to the Broadswords. For the last few years, Victoria, B, Tracy, and Kristen have been a wonderful part of the OneShot Network. But now they're moving on to a new home. And while we won't be producing adventures together anymore, we wish them the best of luck on their journeys to come. If you're subscribed to the Broadswords, don't worry, your old feed should still be valid. And if you haven't checked them out yet, we recommend everyone go to their favorite podcast app and download the Broadswords today. Once again, a huge thank you to the Broads for spending this time with us. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. But yeah, you, you, you are faced with this. Are there any plans or preparations? You do have the tip of like somebody finding barrels of good smelling stuff in there, but how are you going to go about finding whatever it is you're after? I feel like we've done this enough to have a kind of like basic strategy on busting through gates, going into into rooms, into old like tombs and stuff. And I feel like it probably centers around Rue being the like focal point and then Blaze and Leonardo forming like kind of like a triangular formation where we have this like triangle offense, if you will, and are always guarding. Like we always have someone to our side who is forming like a little like tight perimeter. I like that. I think for Blaze, the first step is going to be to use some rune paint for a beacon so that they always know how, once they go in, they'll always know how to get back to the door. That's good. So she quickly paints the symbol, the beacon symbol, on the gate itself, and then also paints it on a stone that she finds on the ground that she puts in her pocket. Yeah. Now, these runes are, are typically pretty intricate, so it takes about like five minutes each on these, but it's kind of worth the time. Things that I'm going to establish now that, that are not part of the standard setting, but are, are certainly going to be part of what we're about to do here, the two big things that you have to worry about when you enter tombs like this, the most common threats are the Simple Dead and the Revenants. Simple Dead and most of the monsters are mostly bone creations. You know, they are, don't have a lot of flesh to them and they sense prey. They, they sense people that they, you know, hate for some reason. Some evil inside them compels them to destroy living people, but not cats. They sense living things through sound, mostly. The vibrations and reverberations of sound, you know, trigger them that, that there is prey in the area and they go to that prey and they seize upon it. So using beacons and light will not really incur their wrath. The real danger is revenants. Revenants are fleshy, zombie-like creatures that retain a modicum of human intelligence to them. And not only that, 
Some of them have eyes. There are a few revenants that I think are even former grave diggers. So they can see and they can think and it is from them that you have to worry about being seeing light. So knowing that, I think drawing the beacons is good, but like tucking it away into your pocket so that you have it when you need it is is probably key. I'm going to say that there's enough lichen and whatnot bioluminescent things in the area that you can roughly make out stuff. It almost looks like an underlit laser tag place <laughs> most of the time. We're going to have our birthday but party yeah, here. You, you've got that precious light. Yeah. I'm on Hell blue team. Yeah. After, after you do this, uh, you get to go to a pizza party. Sweet. And from, from my understanding or like my imagination of the beacon thing is that it's not, necessarily going to super illuminate the area as much as it's going to just make the little rock that also has the beacon painted on it like kind of light up when you're pointed in the right direction like a compass so like Mm. if we're far away and we're looking for where was the door if you turn around and you're holding the little rock like when the rock lights up then you're like oh it's in this direction let's let's go back this way oh that's so cool. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly how that works. Ooh, very, very cool. So so yeah, like you you have that set up. You you have your way back if you need to. And also, pretty importantly, you have a way to orient yourself as you look out in the pseudo city that used to be the third level. What was called the Gladstone Bastion. The Gladstone Bastion like you can see the makings of the architecture that would become the bastion that you call home in this space. There is still a bit of vastness that hits you. But what this place has that you really don't have so much in the home bastion that you live in now, this has lots of areas with splintering and winding tunnels that are still remain in it. It is very easy if you don't have something like the beacon to get lost here. You've heard of people going to the Gladstone level and spending weeks just wandering those same tunnels in circles before other gravediggers found them and helped them make their way back home. And it is this vast, tiny city that you look out in, knowing that somewhere here, there is a prize for you. What do you do, and, and where do you go? Do you, do you think we should just follow our noses? That's a good a, good a hunch as any. Uh, can you smell anything? I smell something in the air right now. I'm getting a whiff of... Uh, smells like a candle, like someone who makes candles. Oh, come on. Oh, oh hello, Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Okay, I'm going to step over here. All right, I'm detecting something else. James, (laughs) do I smell anything? Yeah, okay. So this I am going to rule. You get your skill bonus of of artisan for this. And I'm going to even put that at plus two because you are kind of a chef and you craft all of these cool goo flavors. So you're probably a bit of a super taster, you know? Like... You can find the, these these subtle things in the air. So you, you've got a plus two to smelling this. I think this is going to be a bit of a challenge. So there is, I think you do need to hit eight on this. 
Are there any tool bonuses or circumstance bonuses that might be aiding you in this as well? Feel free to let your imagination go nuts. There's a circumstance bonus. Leonardo always goes hunting on an empty stomach. And with his, <laughs> with his appetite, it increases his sense of smell and his animal instincts in finding food and things that can be turned into food. I love that. That that's great. You you get a another plus one from that. And and I'm thinking like we just stepped in through the big doors onto this level. I think if I leave the door cracked, it'll create a little bit of a breeze. Like the, there's a temperature differential, and the air is usually fairly still here. But once we open the door, some of the air wafts out into the the bigger well, and that'll draw air toward us from the rest of this level Ooh, yeah i always cool, think about that cool. in the time yeah, of covid that. when i open any door and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's I'm all about ventilation letting <laughs> in a bunch of air from people <laughs> i don't have to worry about that because i just walk around in one of those big plague doctor masks full of posies and the sweet scent of that protect me from the harmful ravages of the plague <laughs> but back Back in the fiction, yeah, that that gives you another circumstance bonus. So now you are at plus four to this. Oh, wow. Then, yeah, I totally smash it. I got a five. So that would be nine, enough to hit the eight. Yes. So that we may eat eventually. And I smell something. Yeah, um, I, I think this is one of the things where we're learning a little bit about the universe here. I think the style of like whatever movie or TV show is based on the well here, (laughs) we get like a a weird kind of gross CG animated internal like body shot of like you smell the the, the (laughs) sense and we can see the robust nasal cavity for (laughs) Leonardo cheese. I think Leonardo has like this genetic mutation that's probably becoming more common after generations upon generations are living under the earth. You know, when certain senses dull, other senses become more robust. And there's just a percentage of the population like Leonardo that is better at smelling and tasting things. And there's maybe a bit of like a bloodhound ability to what Leonardo can do through scent. Mike, just just hit me with like a quick montage of Leonardo literally following his nose through these tunnels. Oh, yeah. It's your classic Yogi Bear smelling a pie on the windowsill. You got Leonardo is like levitating in the air with his hands out to his side and his like his feet are flapping like little wings as he's just like following this colored scent that's animated through the through the air and Blaze and Rue are like in our triangle formation as we are walking through these tunnels. We get to like a fork in the tunnel, and then Leonardo's nose does like a uh, a dousing rod, like which way is it going to go? And then like picks a direction. All their feet are also flapping. Yeah, yeah. Rue's Rue's feet are flapping mm-hmm. the hardest because of the armor. It's like really hard to like levitate and <laughs> do this very stylized uh, non-canon <laughs> motion. But damn it, he's trying. Blaze also, I would assume, has a great sense of smell. So I would be surprised if her nose wasn't also. Yeah, there's a there is a colorful aura going mm-hmm. into her nose too. Not quite as uh, strong, but in this montage, they're both 
drifting towards the scent, and I just have to tie a rope around their waist so that they don't fly away too fast for me to follow them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it, it's almost get, like getting pulled by sled dogs. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's classic Rue is Cuba Gooding Jr. in this scenario. And mm-hmm. as we're going by down these walls, I think Leonardo's also, while he's doing this, he's multitasking and scraping off little bits of lichen off of the wall and just slowly putting little things in his bag just for later, things that interest him. And even if it's not a directly edible thing, it could still have a use so not in a game-breaking way but in a a, just a flavor way literally no i i I like that i like that i I mean i think whatever whatever you do to grow the mushrooms that produce goo like i think soil quality and whatnot is really an important thing and there needs to be a delicate mineral balance to provoke different flavors like the difference between getting some goo that tastes like lemon versus getting some goo that tastes like grapefruit really comes down to like trace minerals that you have to you know mix into the soil to get things to develop properly so you throughout your adventures are collecting all of this stuff blaze i want to say because you are also like following this scent trail and you have a very sharp and and robust a nose as well you because you're not worried about tracking are really getting to mull over this at this point subtle but growing stronger scent that's in the air it is kind of unlike anything you've ever smelled before it is inviting and complex in a way that is really hard to put your finger on it's the sort of thing that like you know what? It is a scent, I think, that you've felt in your dreams before. It's just, I, I think you, uh, it, it's not uncommon for people to dream in smells. And like, yeah, this is like, ooh, yeah, my brain understands this, but I don't understand how or why. This is the money. I can smell the money. I'm going to be rich from this uh, this scent. I just know it. And it smells great. I'm really excited for you, Blaze. Thanks, Rue. You're so supportive. And speaking of support, I need you to support me in one other thing. I need to find a seed. Yeah. What does that blaze? A seed? Seed. Kind? I don't care. Just any seed. Any seed. I want to grow whatever comes out of the seed. I don't know. I feel like a seed is so rare to find. I know it's small, but I'm, I really want a seed. Oh, you're talking about a literal seed. A s- yeah. Not some kind of metaphorical seed. I. No, no. Like a plant. Seed of descent. Revolution. Yes, a seed of uh, revolution. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) like, I I think Rue and Leonardo, like, might be more familiar with the idea of a a metaphorical seed much more than a literal seed. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that many people have actually seen a plant. And, like, a seed might even be a legendary thing. Like, people understand what spores are, and they work in a similar way to seeds. But like it's it's kind of a, a a foreign concept. It's almost like they've asked you. Oh, by the way, if you see a saber tooth tiger, let <laughs> me know. <laughs> yes, sure, yes, Blaze. We'll, that's exactly what I'm looking for. We'll let you know if we see a seed. <laughs> Do you know what it looks like? Uh, I assume it's very large. Very small. Very small. Oh. Smaller than your fingernail, <laughs> and sort of sort of oval shaped, but pointy at one end. Um, so like a sharp stone. 
Sure, sure, like a very small and kind of flat, sharp stone. At least that's what I imagine they look like anyway. Pretty sure. Like this? And then uh, Leonardo holds up a marble that he has. <laughs> no, not quite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I can keep my eyes open. That, that is a perfect lead-in for this, this next bit of your challenge because Leonardo... You you hit a point in, in following the scent trail where all of a sudden it feels like the smell is scattered about the room in a way that is like unpredictable and, and doesn't make sense. You know, the smell that you were following before that that had been up to this point getting clearer and stronger as you've been going feels like it is spread everywhere and it is hard to find the like strongest part of the trail you reach this place that that is like kind of a tunneled cavern that it has been hewn out a little bit this is kind of like a a thoroughfare a, a junction that connects different points at one point there were shops here where you know people sold food uh where where, where there were various stalls and whatnot that connected to other larger places where you know people either lived or or made homes to like the more mercantile districts it just feels like the scent trail goes everywhere and that you're going to need to take some time to refind it but you also did really well on that role Something about that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. There's like an air of danger to it. Mm, easy, friends. There's something wrong here. This smell goes everywhere. Do you, do you smell that, please? Like it's traveling. Like it's been moved. Like something moved it. Whatever the thing was that was producing that smell. Right. Well, what if the thing is the thing that's producing the smell? Ooh, like a little smelly guy just running around. Or like a bunch of little smelly guys. Ooh, well, luckily... Little goo monster. Little goo monster. Speaking of goo. Bunch of goo monsters. I dream of goo monsters every night. Well, how do we either lure the goo monsters here or find where they are? Clearly they know where we are if they're running away from us. I don't know that they're running away from us. They could just be perhaps going about their business. Well, noise usually lures the dead, if they are dead. It does seem like we're in the shopping district area, so perhaps we do some browsing of wares on, on our own and look inside some of these... These okay, I don't think we should split up. That's really? that what no, happened last I, no. time when we split no, up no, no, was no, we're not doing that. We can go as a group. Alright, as a group. Yeah. And if we happen to make a loud noise, then we'll just, you know, uh, be ready. So so you two can pick a room and uh, explore it and I'll watch the outside, or I can go check it out first if you prefer. Uh, but I just I'm ready to Pull out my, my big hammer that you retrieved for me and tighten my grips on it. I'll be watching for anything dangerous. James, of the the little like market former marketplace ruin area that we're in, what are mm -hmm. what are some of the buildings that are available or that are open for business, so to speak? This is a place that was cleared out but there are a few like businesses or whatnot that were hewn into the wall 
And these businesses appear to be like convenience things. There, there's a barber shop here. There was a place that did boot repair. But there are also stalls set up that, that were basically covered market stalls. A lot of these are restaurants. There are some tool shops. And I will say this is a less traveled area in level three. There are a lot of people like to stick to the main marketplaces of level three because even hundreds of years later, the population here was so large and so wealthy that people occasionally still find stuff that is valuable close to the door. You know, whichever person stumbled onto the treasure that you are after was taking a risk by going down some tunnels and, and trying to chart their way through this area. So I'm going to say there's a lot of stuff here that's untouched if you want to plunder it. But yeah, this room, you know, for whatever reason, most of the stuff you can see the way people lived hundreds of years ago and kind of like objects around that are left in the place that they were left when people suddenly had to abandon this place a long time ago. I think looking at this, Leonardo is struck by sense of particularly his place in the history of mankind as a humble glue merchant in the, the grand scheme of all of the merchants that have come before him and those other small business owners and what can happen even when you are a successful small business owner there are circumstances that are out of your your hands and he thinks of his goo shop and of blaze's candle establishment one day being just like ruins for grave diggers to hope that they find some some bits and bobs and his face goes blank for a second but no one notices oh i was gonna say blaze slaps him and says I smell what you're thinking. Oh, someone did notice. And then Leonardo goes, thank you. Pulled me out of my reverie. And the slap was so loud, the beasts came to them. It was a silent slap, a <laughs> smushy slap that was absorbed by his, um, his fancy Amish beard. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the beard acts as a silencer for slaps. That's right. That's, what, that's how beards work. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> Go ahead and try it out on yourself if you have a beard. Just kidding. Anyway. Is there any Tamagotchis around? Yeah, there is a Tamagotchi shop, for yes, sure. Tamagotchi shop. Now, these are stone Tamagotchis. It's like, I imagine that is what is easiest to, you know, construct down in, in the earth. Maybe, maybe metal casing also makes sense. But like, yeah, these are these beautifully carved objects, these bespoke things. Like, I, I think a Tamagotchi is, is just a very special cultural present. Everybody gets it at a certain age because it's the primary way that you learn to live in this world. Is like the things you do with Tamagotchis are like you can make your Tamagotchi go be a farmer. You can make your Tamagotchi go be a, a rune paint like stirrer, like all of the most common jobs that are represented in the Bastion are like things that, that you learn about through a Tamagotchi education. Blaze takes two Tamagotchis. Okay. I need you to roll. This is like almost luck. All you have to do is hit five, but I do need you to roll as you pick one of these Tamagotchis. I got a five. Hey. Oh, what? Got five. a five? Oh, great. So you like 
pick Tamagotchis and you can see that the little like mycoplastic tag or whatever that prevents it from activating, that prevents the battery from like touching it, was hanging very loosely from one of them. And you're able to push it in when Tamagotchis activate up like they have this little musical beep that would have filled the room with sound Mm -hmm. um, and given you away. But like your your sharp eyes managed to catch that. And I'm going to turn over to to Leonardo at this point. You were feeling like this kind of existential ennui, just sort of looking at this merchant shop in front of you. I think one of these merchants is a paste merchant. Paste is predecessor to right now the most popular like yeah exactly it it is a condiment that there are only like five different paste flavors like one is corned beef (laughs) they're very specific james Uh, what are the other four certain flavors that could be on things yeah okay yeah mashed carrots mashed carrots is one eleni uh what what is the other another flavor that survived uh vanilla Vanilla. Ooh, Ooh that's a, that's actually a good that's one a good to one. get. Yeah. You got to throw in a Superman flavored. Growing up, did you ever have like Superman <laughs> yes. ice cream? Yeah. Where it was like that was my favorite. Vanilla and one type of ice cream that will mm-hmm. make your poop green. I loved that one. It was also called Blue yeah, Moon. Yeah, yeah. I have no I, idea what that I, is. I still it's love great. Superman ice cream. Well, yeah. you're a Superman head. So, so there's that. The fifth is cilantro so there's <laughs> a people, just a percentage just hate, of the population yeah. that absolutely hates it yeah so until goo started really taking off it was those flavors and like umami from mushroom were just the only flavors that people had access to so you had this a, a moment of ennui where, where you're staring at this paste merchant stall and something stands out to you the way like as blaze is kind of like moving around the tamagotchis her lantern light passes over this shop and you see the glint of of something shiny moving closer to it you can feel your heart drop a little bit as once again your hairs stand on end as you understand why suddenly the scent seemed to be everywhere and why it was so hard to follow the trail because on the ground you see a tooth that has a wing growing out of it a kind of insectoid wing where one of them appears to be damaged this is a tooth from a tooth swarm Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Let's get things started off with a radvertisement, and this one comes to us from the Dungeons & Randomness podcast. Dungeons & Randomness has multiple groups exploring their home-brewed world and changing things constantly. And they would love to have some new listeners check out ARC 4, Episode 1. ARC 4 is an all-new adventure with new groups, but the Dungeons & Randomness crew has been producing actual play since 2012. So they've got tons of experience and great production quality that you will love to listen to, especially if you listen to one-shot shows. So if you like actual play, especially fantasy adventure actual play, go out and explore the world of Theria by listening to the Dungeons & Randomness podcast, ARC 4 where four different adventuring groups that have widely different and contrasting stories explore the same world together. You can find Dungeons & Randomness wherever you get your podcasts.
or over at dndrpodcast.com. A huge thank you to the Dungeons & Randomness crew for sponsoring the show this week. Heroes, I have a new book out on store shelves right now. The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide is a collection of prompts, activities, and mini-games designed to help you create and customize your own worlds for role-playing. And I am currently promoting that book with some digital events. Coming up on June 9th at 7 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be doing an event through Barbara's Bookstore where I'll be joined by my good friend, fantasy author Alexandra Rowland, to use some of the exercises in the book to create a world of our own before your very eyes. It's going to be a blast, and you won't want to miss it. You can register to watch it live through the events page at the Barbara's Bookstore website, or follow the link in our show notes directly to the registration page. I hope to see y'all there! If you want to pick up the book for yourself, you can find it anywhere books are sold, or check out the listing of online retailers over at bit.ly slash ultimateworldbuilding. Finally, if you'd like to do me and the book a favor, you can leave a review on services like Amazon and Goodreads. Especially early on, the more five-star reviews this book gets, the more people will find it. Uh, And that means I can feed my family. So if you have a few minutes, head over to Amazon, head over to Goodreads, head over to any website you can find that accepts reviews for books, and write us something nice. Every time I have a book come out, my editor stresses the importance of getting 50 good reviews in the first month. So please help us reach that goal if you can. On June 11th, I'm going to be on the Happy Holy Hour Batman stream, hosted by the Gamer Priest. I'm also going to be talking about world building there, specifically the world building for Sphere, and the cultural and scriptural influence that my Catholic upbringing had on my world building process. If you want to learn more about the Church of the Slain God, and really I think some of the structure of Gable's story, you will not want to miss this conversation. Uh, The subject matter is just so specific, I can't imagine I'm going to be able to talk about some of the things that I'm going to talk about here anywhere else. Once again, that's going to be June 11th, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, over at twitch.tv slash thatgamerpriest. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank our backers on Patreon. Without you, productions like One Shot would not be possible. You pay our editors, our cast, and for every piece of infrastructure that brings this podcast to your ears. If you want to become part of the show and get access to some cool bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to support us. A huge thank you to everyone who signed up already and everyone who's going to sign up in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. I knew it was going to be like bees. And as you, like, pick it up to look at it, like, I, I think you have the, the, the thought to, like, look up above you, and you can see on the ceiling and walls all of these terrible, enameled, tiny creatures that, when excited, when set off by sound, will just flit into the air with their terrible insectoid wings and try to bury themselves in the skin of living creatures. Thanks to your existential ennui, you managed to detect this danger before anyone in your group set it off. But now you know that apparently these two these teeth attacked whoever was through here before, and they got some of the scent on them, which is why it's hard to pick up the trail. So now your group has to try and refind the trail without setting off the tooth swarm. 
Leonardo is grateful for this existential crisis because his other instinct yeah. was to start doing another like Disney song. And uh. <laughs> he was about to like be singing at the top of his lungs uh, about the what it's like to be a humble grave digger slash slash small business owner yeah <laughs> small business owner i'm not just a human i'm a gooman <laughs> the gooman yeah so leonardo kind of points up to the the tooth bees the tooth swarm and makes eye contact with rue and blaze mouthy blaze's mouth which was wide open yeah. it, she she slowly closes her mouth very aware of her teeth her own teeth suddenly can Leonardo pick up? I held up a marble earlier, and mm-hmm. I had I have like a bag of marbles, which in your classic TTRPG thing, you know, a bag of marbles is great to throw on the floor, like Home Alone style, and have people who are chasing you like mm-hmm. fall everywhere. If I were to throw this bag of marbles as far as I could, I assume it would make a loud sound somewhere else. Would the tooth swarm be attracted to the sound or would they be stirred by the sound? Absolutely. Okay, great. So maybe if I throw the marbles as far as I can, we can kind of make a run for it out of one of the passageways that are connected to this business area. Yes. I I will say that you can absolutely do that. The, the, The one thing that you might want to be aware of is at this particular juncture, you don't know where to go yet. So... That is a great way to distract the tooth swarm from maybe getting on your case, but you still need to figure out where the true trail is, if that's what you intend to follow. Why don't you smell down each of the corridors, and then we can divert them and and go? I can move. Right, Only okay. one of us should move. No, no, you shouldn't move. You shouldn't oh, move. Please. You've got this metal armor on. You, you should do this because you're more alive. You're like a dancer. Right. Me, I'm just a, a humble goo man. Just right. a, a goose merchant. Right. And inherently that makes you clumsy. I, that's what they say. There, there's a reason that stereotype exists. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Rue just freezes once they remind him of his armor. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start sniffing around. See if I can sniff something. As agile as a chandler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you take like an hour to walk around carefully and do this, you are going to be able to find the true trail with no problem. The longer that you spend in this area, basically for every, let's say, 20 minutes that you spend in this area, I'm going to roll a die once. And if I hit a bad number on that die, like if I hit one or two, something accidental will happen that maybe sets off the tooth swarm. If you try to rush it and move more quickly, I'll need to get this resolved in just 40 minutes. I'll need a roll of five or more to get this resolved in 20 minutes only risking one die roll i'll need a roll of 10 so i'll put that decision in your hands eleni how is blaze going to approach this situation i'm thinking while blaze is thinking leonardo pops us a small mushroom 
which is a mild hallucinogenic, which he does mm-hmm. just to, to pass the time and have minor realizations that come to him about goo craft and just about larger existential questions. He's low-key kind of a philosopher, so uh, and he also just loves to, to trip I and like vibe. That. I think that I will take the full hour to do it. Okay. What do I need for the full hour again? I don't need to roll a die, right? Full hour, you don't need to roll at all. James yeah. is going to roll so three that's, times. That's on me. Oh, boy. Three times if I hit one or two, Which it, it, it'll be it'll go hard with everyone. I think statistically, it right. will probably first, happen. Oh, yeah, no. first roll oh, no. is a three. So okay. you're all right. Ooh. Oh, God. Get get your marbles ready. Second roll is a one. No. Run. I am going to ask who or what accidentally sets off the tooth swarm. I think my nerve breaks. Oh. I think I've been trying to hold still and hold this position for so long. And, and I think it's not a hallucination exactly, but like just anxiety gets the better of me. And I think something else just made a noise or oh. just, just alerted them. I kind of think it's something that you can't help. Your knees start shaking and you're in this thick armor. The shake eventually turns into a rattle, which is enough that one of the teeth dislodges from the ceiling and Mm -hmm. that starts a cascade where like this one falls it tinks off your armor like it it, it can't do it and the wings that they have are pretty delicate so like it it flips off to the side bounces on the ground but that is enough that you can hear the insectoid screaming of hundreds of wings starting to buzz to life all around you um, and I think this happens just as Blaze finds a tunnel that uh, has a strong scent coming from it. Now we're going to be dropping into initiative as y'all are dealing suddenly with a tooth swarm. You've all encountered tooth swarms or at least heard of them before. So you have some ideas how to fight them if you haven't fought them before. Let's let's start with Rue because Rue... You know, th- they're after you right now. They're going after your position. What's your plan? So I imagine I'm next to Leonardo and Blaze is across the room, having just kind of just identified the tunnel that we want to be going down. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to grab Leonardo, kind of bu- you know, kind of bu- bundle him under me the way a uh, like a a bodyguard would <laughs> like when when someone shoots at the president i'm trying to to shield him with my armor get the hell off of me i'll save your goo legacy and um and i and i you know shout throw throw the marbles and like back the way we came and i'm going to try to hustle him towards our tunnel while hopefully he distracts them and lures them away yeah, Leonardo, you are being, I think you've got a circumstance bonus of plus one because Rue is kind of sheltering you and, and helping you right now. I'm going to give you a plus two tool bonus. And the way this game works and the way combat can work is things that you do to act against your opponent, whether or not they are like violent actions towards defeating them, 
all count towards your eventual success. So if you throw these marbles and it creates a loud noise that like pulls them to another area, that's actually still part of fighting the overall swarm because you're pulling parts of the swarm away from your allies. So yeah, if you intend to move forward with your marble plan, you've got at least a plus two to doing that. What are you going to do? So before I lose my marbles, I... You goose your marbles. I goo my marbles. Um, <laughs> there are these like shops too, I imagine, that have like an interior in this yes. area. So I could throw the um the marbles back where we came from, but I also am thinking about if we have to come back this way, I don't really want to give us an obstacle for later. If possible, I would like to throw the marbles yeah. into the inside of one of these buildings to try and get the tooth swarm to go into a place that will also be kind of insulated from sound if we have to come back loudly this way. And like close a door? Well, I don't know if I want to get close enough to close the door because I got Rue is is, uh, my turtle shell right now as we're like headed to where you are. Mm -hmm. I would love to close the door, but... Let me protect you! All right, I'm going to give you another plus one circumstance bonus because you you had like that that is a really clever like presence of mind thing to be thinking of of where can I draw this tooth swarm if I need to, and you know you did have this period of time while Blaze was spent twenty minutes like trying to find the new path where you just got to go through one of your philosophical existential crises and you did happen to see Frank Godot's Pots and Bells which is just a shop that sold bells and and pots, which would make a terrible clattering sound if a bunch of marbles were thrown in at them. That is an overall plus three that you have right now to potentially draw away a, a part of this swarm. Beautiful. I'm praying that there are still bells and and jars and and pans that are in there. James, what was what are all of the items that are sold in this store again? It's pots and bells. Pots and bells. And, you know, certain accessories that would go with pots and bells. They do sell lids and bell tongues, but you know, it's mostly pots and bells. I love that this guy was like, you know what? Pots <laughs> are kind of like less musical bells and bells are more like less useful mm-hmm. pots, so close enough. Um all right, I'm going to roll 1d6. I think I think his business got purchased at some point and worked into like you know pots, bells, and beyond or something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's always there's always twenty percent off that you can get there. Yeah. <laughs> if you go if you go to like levels two and one, you can see how through the generations this business became like a big box store that <laughs> had sort of a Kmart situation at level one where like they were eventually went under and you can only find like sort of archaeological evidence that they ever existed on on level one before but yeah pots bells and beyond baby pots bells and beyond i throw the marbles i got a three so that that gets you a six overall so the resilience of a tooth swarm is 15 but not hitting 15 is fine because you are sort of chipping away at the overall swarm with this so we drop their resilience down to nine as, you know, 
the the marbles sail through the air. I, I think you c it could have been more magnificent, but like the bag of marbles opens like partway through a tumble and it spills marbles like all around. Some of them do make it into this shop and they clang against pots and, and send like these bells and wind chimes and whatnot to jingling where a significant portion of the swarm peels off and goes over to that. Uh, they zip through the windows and uh, tang into more pots and bells. Like the swarm is really embedding itself over there, uh, even if there are still some around the two of you. At this point, I'm going to have the, the tooth swarm go. The tooth swarm is going to do what tooth swarms try to do, which is bury themselves in your skin. Now, the way defense works in this game, I believe you either have the option of suffering the consequences that, that would happen from this, and the consequences would, I don't think, be lethal in the case of a tooth swarm, except in the worst of circumstances. Instead, I think you can accept the consequence of getting very severely injured, like having real muscle damage as some of the teeth bury themselves in your skin, and as you run away, you're just going to have to pull teeth out of your skin. It's a nasty, nasty thing, but it is a thing you could live through. Or you can take some stress. In taking stress, that is both like mental and physical stress that you can endure on your journey. So this is coming at the two of you. I think it's going to be taking three stress or taking some pretty severe muscle damage. You can also attempt an interrupt, but like with a tooth swarm, that's going to be pretty difficult because there are just so many of these gross little boys. Can I try something? Or is it? Am I? You you can. We're gonna let the. Well, you can. What 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 idea would you have to interrupt? This? I want to pull the plastic out of my tamagotchi to make it make a bunch of sound, and then try to draw them to wherever the tamagotchi mm. is. I think I will save that for your next action. Uh, right now, we 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 need a we need a decision from from Rue and Leonardo. How are you gonna deal with this tooth swarm? I will take the stress. All right. And I'll point out, Mike, taking the stress is usually the best call, especially since neither of you have any stress yet. I mean, we lived through 2020, so we all know how that goes. Uh, we've, been, <laughs> we've been taking stress all year. Uh, I think Leonardo will choose to not take semi-catastrophic muscle damage, and we will go with the stress. I'd choose the stress, please. Smart, smart, smart. So, yeah, y'all are, like, swatting and rolling away as these teeth try to get to your skin. Maybe you get a few minor cuts, but you prevent them from burrowing inside, which is what they try to do. We move over to Blaze. I love this plan that you have to, like, get the Tamagotchi to draw them away further. That, I'm going to give you a plus two tool bonus to that. So you're going to have plus two to the roll no matter what. You can also choose to do other things do you think any skills might help this or anything circumstantially might be moving in your favor for this well let's see i mean my plan is kind of similar to what leonardo did and trying to just create sound to draw them into a yet another like corridor or little store or something mm -hmm. And then in terms of skills, my skills are in runes, so that's not really going to help. Yeah, probably not going to help. I think I will just take the plus two and say that's, that seems fair. All right. Roll it up. So I got a seven. Oh, all right. 
I think you pull that out like almost like it's a grenade, huck it through the air. There's like a second where this ancient hundreds of years old Tamagotchi sails through the air and whatever battery system y'all have worked out uh, in the underground like starts to whir to life in place and it plays the little wake up song that, that Tamagotchis play and that song like echoes throughout this corridor and really attracts the majority of the tooth swarm. There are really only a few straggling teeth left behind. Rue, we, we come to your action now. What do you do? Uh, I'd like to, because I, I've heard some stories about how to deal with tooth swarms and that maybe their wings are susceptible to flame. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to take out one of my torches and and as I'm hustling Leonardo along, trying to protect him, hopefully being helpful, I want to reach out with my with my torch stretch and uh, touch the flammable end to Blaze's lantern to catch it on fire so that I can spin and start waving it at the what remains of the tooth swarm. Yeah, I, I think like y- y'all, while Blaze was tossing that Tamagotchi, y'all like quickly managed to to pull your way towards her. You light your torch on, on her lantern and whiz it through the air at these teeth, and it is wild to watch. I think not only are the wings of a tooth swarm flammable, I think they are extremely flammable. <laughs> it's almost like flash paper. You wave your torch at, at these floating teeth, and their wings catch instantly and disappear immediately, and they clatter harmlessly to the ground in a sound that does not eclipse the sound of the singing Tamagotchi or the buzzing wings of the other teeth or the clattering of teeth against uh, the pots and bells in that shop. And you've done it, uh, I think, uh, just like the suggestion of waving that, because there were only two left on on their, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. I rolled a four just in case. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, their resilience... You you were pretty much going to get that no matter what, especially because you would have had a plus one tool bonus for the torch. So yeah, you take out these remaining teeth. They clatter to the ground and you and your friends have now like gone down the right tunnel and have the ability to keep following this trail. When there was that, that big thing of fire, Blaze was like, her eyes were super huge and she turns to Rue and is like, You're a genius. That was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I was inspired by you, honestly. I, You were my, my muse in that moment. Oh my god, thank you so much. That's so cool. I can't believe I didn't think of that. I love it. And she picks up uh, some of the teeth that were on the ground with the thought of, like, one day putting them... You know how people put, like, crystals and candles or, like little herbs on the top <laughs> she's gonna put mm-hmm. tea, some teeth on top of hers they're gonna be danger candles yeah ooh I love it this episode of One Shot features music from the following artists Rise by Louis Lyon Choose Your Own Adventure by Brightseed Rainbows and Candy by Dreamlamp Coat of Arms by Wicked Cinema, A Dark Past by Wicked Cinema, and Laqueous Equation by Cody Martin. 
This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more from The Well. In the meantime, be sure to enjoy some of the other amazing gaming shows here on the One Shot Network. Skyjack's Courier's Call is the all-ages spinoff to Campaign Skyjacks. It follows the story of Kieran Rao, played by Palomi Pratap, June Hemdall, played by Ali Grauer, and Cecilia C.C. Witwick, played by Aaron Catano Saez, as they explore the world of Sphere as a part of the Swiftwell Courier Service, under the talented and experienced game master Drew Merzieski. It's a tale of fun, friendship, and adventure that's good for the whole family. You can find Skyjack's Courier's Call wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, right wrongs and do mercies. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. Once again, I'm asking one shot heroes to call their representatives about issues that they care about. I still strongly advise people call to voice their support for Palestine and opposition to the apartheid Israeli government and the shocking violence they perpetrate against Palestinians. But we could also use folks voicing their support to abolish the filibuster, especially in West Virginia. Public pressure is the only way to create momentum on some of these issues, and directly calling the offices of your representatives is one of the best ways to apply that pressure. When I call my representatives, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you can find issue summaries along with contact information for your representatives and scripts to read while you're on the phone to make sure you get your message across. They don't feature scripts or summaries regarding Palestine, but there are great resources for other issues. Please try to incorporate calling as part of other action plans. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.